Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Previously on Mentally Yours. Having an outlet is so important. Uh, for me, you, you, that was always writing a diary. I kept a journal and just getting the thoughts out of my head, even if, you know, it didn't make sense or... It just helped. It helped getting everything out of my head and onto the paper, actually writing things down. It's mentally yours from Ellen and Yvette. A focus on your mental health, you surely won't regret. It's mentally, 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 mentally yours. Mentally yours. Mentally yours. Hi everyone and welcome to Mentally Yours, Metro.co.uk's weekly mental health podcast. While you're here, you should have a look at our other podcast, Good Sex, Bad Sex, which is not about mental health, it's about sex. My name's Ellen. And I'm Yvette. This week's guest is Jamie Jewett. He's best known for appearing on Love Island. And for coupling up with Camilla. It's a very big deal. But he also has anxiety and he's going to be chatting about that and what it's like to deal with anxiety in the public eye and the power of social media, which I think we can all relate to. So, Jamie, what was it like going on a massive reality TV show that everyone was watching while having your own kind of mental health issues? Um, it was it was a tough choice to make whether or not to go on the show. Um, initially, I'd said no. It was, I, I left to add. I didn't apply for it. It was a last-minute thing. I got a call on a Saturday evening and then a Monday. Well, it was from a friend I knew from a show I'd done years ago, and he was the exec on this show, and he just said, basically, long story short, Jamie, we've got a flight on Monday and we want you to come out. So I said no. And then came to Monday morning and they would call in and I sort of answered the phone and they were like, look, do you want to come and do this? And I said, look, they said, look, if it, at the very least, just come and talk to us. So I went out there and had a word with them and tried to say no while I was there. Um, it was just, it's not that I didn't want to do it. It's just I didn't know if I was quite in the headspace to go on a show like that. Um, I'd sort of had my own issues for, I'd say, three or four years quite severely before that. And then sort of it crept up, you know, the years prior to the to those initial few years and yeah after a while it was talking to friends family um speaking to everybody and then them just saying it could be good for you and it was one of the moments where i just thought so i'd throw my phone away and go for it and i did and um, i'm glad i did because it done a hell of a lot of good for me for loads of different reasons um i think just the uh, the social side of it was amazing and as much as you say it's going on a huge tv show i did know the size of it but when you get in there it really does not feel like that it, you, you see the cameras everywhere but you soon forget about them um and the best thing about it was it was you know no tv no phones no music you didn't know the time it, it was literally nothing it was back to basics so all you had to do is wake up and build relationships with people and talk and you know get to know each other and and I think that is the perfect environment to um, come back out of your shell that I'd sort of disappeared into over the years. So without all those distractions, the technology and everything that a lot of us sort of get anxious about and get caught up in, are you saying you, you actually felt a lot calmer in that environment? A hundred percent, yeah. I can't pinpoint exactly which distraction it was that, was that that put me in the place I was in. I think it was a combination of everything. I think being on the outside world and having so many responsibilities and having to have a direction in life and all these different things was, was an issue with me. I didn't really know what I wanted to, wanted to do. I knew I didn't want to do the job I was doing at the time, um, or at least do that 
as my full career, I wanted to do something else. Um, I couldn't put my finger on what it was, as well as the fact that, yeah, Instagram was definitely a big part of it. And that took over my job before, which was one of my big reasons I didn't want to do that job anymore because I had to keep updating um, everybody with my with my sort of... It's funny I say this because that's what I have to do now, but... <laughs> selling myself on Instagram and putting up sort of false pictures and making my life look amazing all the time. And that was a big part of modeling. And, you know, if you didn't have followers, you wouldn't get the jobs. And, and that kind of was where I began to uh, lose my love for the job. And yeah, so it's a combination of, of not knowing what I was doing, what I wanted to do and having to sort of be on social media all the time, I think was where my problems came from. So it's getting rid of all of those, being in there, I had one thing to think about. I just get out of bed and enjoy people's company and hope that they enjoy mine. You mentioned you had um, serious mental health issues and they got progressively worse. Um, do you mind telling us a bit more about that? Um, when did you first experience mental health issues? It's, it's really hard. When people ask me this. It's hard to, again, pinpoint when anything like that happens to you. But it's almost like one of those things when you're training or something, you never really see your results until like a year later. Then you'll look back at a picture and go, oh, wow, like it looks so different. It's what it's almost a case like that. I thought I was happy. All of a sudden, I'd look back to a year ago and be like, "Wow, I'm really not in a good place at the moment." Like I was, it's one of those kinds of things. But I think with me, a big part of it was I was living in New York. I was doing this modelling job. Again, when that became Instagram, it's heavily fell on my Instagram and my social media presence. I just decided I really didn't want to do it, but I had no options of what else to do, and I wasn't really happy with a lot about my life and a lot about having to, you know, have to make a living every day and do things. And, you know, again, it's very, very hard to pinpoint, but I basically found like I had nowhere to turn. I couldn't make any decisions. And the worse I got, the less I'd done, the less I wanted to do. And it got to the stage where I just, I felt a little bit trapped. And yeah, and I moved home and moved back in with my parents and they noticed that I was just a shell of myself. Didn't really want to do anything other than, you know, the only time I felt like I'd have fun is if I'd go out and have a drink and see my friends and it would be temporary and I'd wake up the next day and I'd be like, right, that was, you know, a quick fix that, you know, didn't really fix anything. So, yeah, like I say, it, it, it was just an accumulation of things that got on top of me and that made me end up in a bit of a hole that was, when I say a bit of a hole, once you're there, it's it feels like it's never ending and you can't claw your way out. On a personal level, how do you make sure that social media and being in the public eye and having people talk about you doesn't get to you mentally? It's quite simple for me, really, because I find, again, what I was saying about belonging, about the norm and about people feeling, you know, certain things are normal and certain beliefs are normal. When you're on social media, there's always going to be people that look at you and say, what you're doing is wrong, or they don't agree with this, or they don't agree with that. But at the end of the day, again, I I fully understand now where that comes from, and these people don't mean it. They think they mean it, but they really don't mean it. Um, So if anyone has anything bad to say about you, they don't know you, they don't understand you, but you can understand them. And to understand them means you really don't have to respond because you understand that they don't understand you. So it's just step back, let them do it, and hope that one day... Well, you know one day it's all a part of growing up really isn't it you'll look back and you'll think that thing I said to that person in school 10 years ago was awful what um, I was about to swear then what an idiot what an arsehole I was do you know what I mean it's that realisation so if anybody doesn't agree with you or or doesn't agree with what you're doing it's a very 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 good chance I'd even say a 99.9% chance that one day they will look back and know they were wrong for doing it or saying it or 
you know, especially if it's something like an insult or it's, you know, shaming you for anything or, yeah, it's just understand nothing's normal. People have different views and if someone's got different views to you and or if someone's saying what you're doing, if someone's making fun of you or if someone, you know, they don't know what they're saying, they don't know why they're saying it and people will, you know, people will change and as long as you stick to you, keep doing you, be happy with yourself, then people don't matter. And just wish them the best, basically. It's it's so that's that's the thing with me. Like I I now I look on social media and it kind of coming out of the other side. I can sort of see all this happening, and that's why I want to do talks and help. And because I feel like it's a good thing to understand. And when you get there, it really does help you not feel like you need to respond or not take any offence to anything. When you kind of came out of Love Island, that you're saying kind of gave you a bit of a push out of your situation how did you cope with then coming back to like normal life basically that's the thing because it's somewhat argue you know arguable that i've come out to a life that's very just different an, ex, an extreme version of what i was saying i didn't like before but the thing it has done for me it's given me a platform to help raise awareness and do some real active work towards helping the things that I want to help in or helping people that I want to help and, and and talking about things I want to talk about. And that's why coming out, I know it still is, my life still is sort of social media driven, but it's my choice now how I can, of how to, how to use social media and how to, how to portray myself and what, what to use it for. So whereas before it was kind of like, use it for this and this is how you're going to earn money and all that sort of stuff. It was very fixed and I didn't want to be on it. And even to this day, if it wasn't for this, I probably would delete social media, but now I've got this platform and I'm trying my very best to make sure I don't fall back into the same trap and I use this, this platform for good. So yeah, it's helping me and it, it's been a great experience since I've been out. You get loads of support, Ultimately, I'm very happy because now I'm doing something that I find meaningful, that I feel like I'm useful, and and that helps massively. And I think that's a big issue with a lot of people with mental health problems. It's that how to feel useful in whatever situation or feel a part of something. Or it's tough because you can feel lost quite quickly. And and luckily, like I said, I, I you know, and I'm thankful for it. I got given an opportunity to get out of that. But this is why I want to try and help others in the same situation and explain what it is that I think can cause this and how it can be helped. What helps you now? Well, like I was saying, just keep doing what I'm doing, um, making sure I've got something to focus on, having projects going on all the time. Um, boxing's helped me massively, and that's something I really got into when I came home and I said I moved back in with mum and dad and I joined an amateur boxing club and I started doing that, and that, from a day-to-day -day thing, staying healthy, mentally sharp, it really helps me with all of those things. Um, but ultimately with my life and the direction my life's going in, I've found something that I love. And, and I'm not talking about boxing, though I do love boxing, but doing all the kind of work I'm doing now, things like this, um, the interviews, I've done a TED talk about social media and mental health getting out there and doing as much as I can for some for something that I had issues with you know it's it's a it's a great feeling it's given me direction it's given me sort of purpose should I say are you at a point where you feel comfortable sharing that quite personal stuff or does it feel it still feel like a bit of a struggle yeah 100% I am 
and like I say, I'm so lucky to be at this stage because when I look back, it is quite upsetting to think about how if I didn't have that opportunity, I probably would still be where I was. Um, saying that, it's not that I needed that to escape, it's just the realisation when you come out the back end of it that I could have helped myself ages ago, like I could have done things to to help my situation before but at the time like I say it's like a vicious circle and you feel like you're in that hole you just don't want to you don't you don't feel like you have the energy you don't feel like you have the drive what would you say to a male friend who's going through anxiety or a similar thing to help them I would have to sit and talk to them and try and get them to open up about exactly what it is that they think is making them feel that way and that is probably the most difficult part because usually, like I said, it's a sense of belonging, it's a sense of direction sometimes. it's it, it can be a number of different things. And if you can sit and, one, be an ear and give my own experience, talk to them about my own experience, and then try and find some sort of relation between what they're talking about and what how I felt, and then you can work out and say that, you know, it's understanding is the first point. I understand that. I've been there. I know how you feel, and trust me, it will get better and things will change and this is, you know, you need to find what you love, you need to find, you know, there's there's ways around it but ultimately it's different for everybody so it's, it's very hard. I think it's just a case of at the beginning being in the air for them, make sure you're always there for them, make sure you're there to talk, understanding what they're saying, listening to what they're saying and 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 finding that relation and then I think, again, instantly you've got a connection and that connection will help you and them massively. Um because I think a lot of the, a lot a lot of mental health issues come from isolation, and I think when you the worse you get, the more you isolate yourself, and that is one of the biggest issues. Because the problem with me, I was a very bad person to be around. I understood that, and I understand that now. And looking back, I've got friends that I would love to thank so much, and I have for what they've done for me during that time. But at the same time, I understand that there's a couple that just couldn't handle it, and all being around me at that at that stage, and it can be very easy to look at somebody like that and think, I can't help you. Like, you just, you know, you keep doing this and you keep saying the same things. And that that's, that's the tough side of it. I think it's just making sure that no matter what, you stick to it, stick by them and, and you know, get be there for somebody. Because like I say, if that isolation gets worse, then the, the issue will get worse um, and everybody can help with that everybody around and that's where you know your family comes in and yeah it's just a case of bringing them in bringing people together and making sure that you, you look out for it and, and, and you look to help it if you see it what advice would you give to someone who was to a guy that was in that kind of frame of mind if they're in a very sort of like traditional setup like that because obviously there's like charities like um, yeah um, i'd like to just say just forget about what the people around you are telling you is right or wrong because the one thing is people have such a focus on what's normal and what's normal tends to be what you've grown up around and what you've been taught to believe from when you're a child there's no such thing as normal that's a load of rubbish as well so if you are one of those people in one of those families trust me just break the mold and eventually because this is something that is changing slowly and eventually you know say 30 40 years from now everyone in that family could have a different mind frame because the whole, you know, our whole country's mind frame changing globally. Everyone's mind frame is changing. So don't be pressured by what you think the norm is in your household or don't be pressured by what you think the norm is in your community. Just break the mold and you will feel much better. It's almost like taking a weight off of your shoulders. So as much as it might be a scary thing to do, all the hardest things and the scariest things are usually the right things to do. 
Um, so yeah, that's all I could say. I don't really want to say you shouldn't have to go and talk to somebody else. It should be a case of, do you know what, maybe try and change their minds. Maybe I, I, I find it very hard to believe that somebody nowadays is going to be for that long that demonised for talking about their feelings. And I think, again, that is mostly an internal battle. Like if you're sitting there a lot of the time, you might think your family won't want to hear it. You might think you'll get ridiculed, but you might do it and then be very surprised at the result. So I'd say just jump in, just just break the mould and just, you know, it's for your own good. Just just talk about it. Well, we are really very angry about this shit. Yes, we are really very angry about this shit. Thanks very much to our guest, Jamie Dewitt. So one of the things that Jamie was talking about, which I thought was really interesting, um, was the way that we kind of just present one side of ourselves on Instagram. It's maybe not like, not like a new idea to listeners, but it's funny because we've talked about it before. And I don't know about you, Ellen, but I mean, on my personal Instagram, I'm definitely like that. So like I have this very curated sort of very fancy nice shiny looking instagram yeah. which i'm quite proud of because I, I write a lot about travel and stuff so i like it to look nice um but then if you were to look at that you would probably think oh well she's having a lovely time isn't her life great whereas i'm not taking the pictures of when you know i can't get out of bed in the morning or like at the moment when i'm waking up at like 5 a.m and feeling really anxious i'm trying to balance it out a bit with more honest things and more honest captions realistically i don't have that many followers but I do try and make an effort to be like, this selfie took 17 tries and I'm now crying. And also doing stuff about mental health, like after panic attacks and stuff like that. Mm. And I think that is important. But I think it's not just how you're presenting to other people. Like it does have a massive impact on your own mental health, just trying to curate your life. Mm. Because you do, you start really living in the moment, which I know is a cliche, but it is true. Um, and you start to judge your experiences based on, how good they'll look on Instagram. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of times I'll be like, oh, like that was a fun day, but not really Instagram worthy. Yeah. And it makes me rubbish about it. Or I saw a sunrise the other day and I was just like, oh, this is a really nice sunrise. Oh, I'm going to put it on Instagram. Yeah. And it was, that's kind of ridiculous, isn't it? Like before the days of all this sort of stuff, you'd just go out for a walk and see something exactly. beautiful. And then that's just your memory. I think there's something to be said for just having sort of moments that are just yours alone yeah. or just moments alone moments that you have with friends that aren't on social media yeah, that you're sharing between each other like that i think yeah. it's, it's difficult when it is part of your job like with jamie as a model and then as a um you know reality tv star and so on like mm. he does have to keep up this image and i think it's as well as if you're a blogger or influencer i wish i were an influencer um yeah it is a, it's part of their day-to-day -day yeah. life isn't it it's, it's part of their job exactly and you, there is that pressure. And also stuff like Instagram themes. Like, I don't know how much you've seen of these where, like, everything on their Instagram is pink or orange. And this I find absolutely moment because the actual effort and work that has to go into that, mm. you're not just doing it for your own fun anymore. You're doing it so strategically and it can cause you a lot of stress. Mm -hmm. You're like, well, I can't take a picture of this unless it's orange. Like, it's. I tried it once. It's impossible. It's very difficult. I think um, a couple of bloggers and YouTubers are now changing their approach to Instagram, which is really good. Like, there's this one YouTuber I've been following for years called Jen Im, who's great. Um, and she did this really good video about how she was going to all these amazing places, but she wasn't actually appreciating anything. She was just looking through 
the camera on her phone. Mm. So now she has a rule where she has to look and not touch her phone at each new site for I think like five to ten minutes mm-hmm. and then she can take pictures and then it's done. Yeah. No more phone. I think that's a good way to do it because you have to accept that for some people, Instagram and similar social media stuff is essential. You mm-hmm. can't avoid it, but you have to balance it out with time for yourself as well. Would you really love to be an Instagram influencer? I think it depends very much on like how and what for. Like getting suddenly very famous, like say Jamie did, no, that sounds like hell because everyone would just be critiquing everything you do and analyzing it. But if it's something that I've built up, like if I built that up around um, skincare stuff or mental health, that's something I genuinely care about. I would be really happy that it's getting seen by more people because I'm able to, you know, spread awareness or send a message, maybe not so much about skincare, but for mental health. I would like to be an influencer on my own terms. Mm. I definitely wouldn't want to be someone who is sticking to this rigid theme and has to hit these certain number of likes and all that kind of thing. I think if you're using your influence as something that you feel passionate about, you know, that that's massive. It's just when you're influencing and that's your entire job and you're pressured to do that, that can't be fun. But there's probably quite a lot of pressure on yourself, to be honest, once you get into that sort of line of work it probably won't be it's, it's not going to be like a boss sort of saying you have to post now yeah it is probably going to be yourself going I exactly. need to keep posting I need to be more and more perfect I think realistically I'm already kind of in that headspace because I write on the internet as do you you know but you know we mm. get a lot of not very nice messages but also when you do get messages saying that you've helped people that's like an incredible feeling and Mm. if I knew okay I can do the same thing and I know that there'll be 10,000 people that will see it that's really powerful if I know that there's 10,000 people who don't who aren't following me for that specific thing then that's unsettling Mm. because I I don't feel like oh I'm talking to people and helping them it would just be like I'm being watched by a lot of people that's really creepy actually I know I go on about this right all the time. Amelia Tate wrote this brilliant piece this week about um, watching Instagram stories and how we basically treat them like soap operas and how like addictive it is to watch everyone else's life. And I don't like that. Like I find that very unsettling that people are watching what I'm doing. But at the same time, if what I was doing was for a specific purpose, I think that would be okay with me. I think that's why some other Instagrammers like deliciously stellar sort of really stand out because she's quitting instagram i know she's quitting instagram but like when she sort of started doing stuff it just really stood out didn't it because everybody was kind of doing these perfect sort of posts and pretending that they had these perfect lives and she was the complete opposite and that's why she really stood out from the crowd but yeah it is interesting actually that just doing that going through the process of you know having to post so regularly and the pressure of it has meant that you know she's wanted to quit exactly because just even writing the right caption and if this one doesn't get liked as much as that one like it's stressful it's a really Mm. difficult thing when it's it's just very strange I think if you try to go back in time and explain this to people they'd be like what What yeah but I mean on a basic level people have always wanted to be sort of liked and sort of accepted and part of the herd haven't they all sort of like they wanted to be part of the group they don't want to be you know 
they want to be seen as as, as good or whatever. So social media is kind of like a bit of a bastard in, in that it totally plays into that, yeah. doesn't it? So that, I mean, I definitely do that with Instagram posts. It's just like, if I've posted a really good one, I'm just like, oh yeah, I'm really pleased with that. But then like the next one, if that doesn't also get, I don't know, the same amount of likes, yeah. I'm just like, oh no, what have I done? You know, I need to make the next one even better. Exactly. It's just, it's kind of silly, but at the same time, it's, it's weirdly addictive. I think one thing that would improve everyone's Instagram experience, which I've been doing a lot more, is um, actually using it as a social network. Mm-hmm. Like, if you like someone's post, don't just like it. Like, actually comment or message them. Oh, yeah. No, I, I think yeah. that makes a huge difference. Like, if you see that your friend is, well, I'm just going to use my own Instagram story for reference, hanging out with a cat mm-hmm. and you think it's cute, rather than just liking it you can actually message and be like oh my god whose mm. cat is that and you're having a proper conversation to be fair that is one thing i do really like about instagram because i feel it's always been the more positive platform yeah twitter you get loads of abuse facebook's pretty much just for your mum. but with um instagram it's always like with the travel stuff i do it's always you know you get nice other sort of travel bloggers coming saying oh that was really nice of stuff exactly. or i'll go there's like this lovely um gay couple that travels around the world and takes lovely pictures of themselves with these things and so we will have sort of little chats and i'll be like oh i really like this thing and so that's it just feels a lot warmer in that sense the conversations yeah yeah like i've never seen anyone on my account anyway i'm sure on celebrities like trolling on instagram because you would just be a dick if you commented on someone's nice sweet baking photo being like yeah you You do you do get kind of spammy ones sometimes yeah but that's you just delete it's fine most of them are for like webcam stuff anyway so this is goodbye If you've been affected by any of the issues we've discussed today, please contact Samaritans on 116123 or go to the website at samaritans.org. Thanks very much to our guest, Jamie Jewett. And thanks very much to our producer, Sam Bonham, and to Lucy Baker for the jingles. If you've enjoyed this episode, please give us a review on iTunes. It makes a massive difference. You can also hang out with us on Facebook. It's at Mentally Yours. And on Twitter, Mentally Yours, but with YRS instead of yours. See you next week. Where's that dust coming from? Still finding debris after vacuuming? Eufy X10 Pro Omni Robot Vacuum has 8,000 PA of powerful suction to remove debris deep in carpets. And it's totally hands-free. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com. That's E-U-F-Y.com. And discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799.